Yes, it is the Chief Zone Podcast. I am your host, Farzin Usugian. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to the Chief Zone Podcast. Old listeners, welcome back. Appreciate you guys coming back and listening once again to this podcast, the Chief Zone Podcast. If you're a new listener, hey, welcome aboard. It's never too late to join in on the podcast and on the conversations that we have going on on social media as well. We'll get right into it. Facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine or just search my name Farzine Vesugian on the search bar. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And as promised, uh, if you guys send me a Snapchat, uh, whether it's a picture or a video of you listening to the podcast, uh, you're, you're watching Chiefs games, you're, you're playing Madden uh, with the Chiefs, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'll personally respond to you guys with a video message on Snapchat. Again, you guys can send me a snap at Farzine V F A R Z I N V. As always, be sure you guys do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You guys will get a new episode right into your library anytime a new episode is available of the Chiefs on Podcast. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, very short podcast here today. Uh, just two things we're going to discuss. Of course, we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the Jets that will take place at Arrowhead. This weekend, the third game of the season for the Kansas City Chiefs as uh, the NFL season now in full swing. Uh, A lot going on. Uh, We're starting to see uh, some of the top dogs in the NFL and some teams that are are falling behind. And hopefully the Chiefs are not one of those teams. The Chiefs are right in the middle right now at 1-1, as are the New York Jets. So it's a crucial game for both teams as uh, neither one of these teams want to be one and two or, or even be below 500 the Jets got off to a bad start going 0 and one the Chiefs uh very fortunate not to even have uh gotten to that point almost did happen almost got off to an 0 and one start but you never want to see yourselves below 500 uh in an NFL season especially early on uh you know I mean you want to be in there be in there be in there with the both teams are going to do so we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the Jets I'll give you my keys that the Chiefs will need in order to win this game. And, of course, I'll hand out my prediction and let you guys know who I think will win. Uh, I, I want to start off with uh, with this topic because I've talked about it. I, I, I've, I've expressed my frustration. I've given my personal experience with this, and it's a Chiefs parking situation. Some, uh, some big news that they'd come out uh, earlier this week. The Kansas City Stars' uh, Blair Kirkhoff wrote a story uh, about how the Chiefs, uh, Mark Donovan, the uh, president of the, the Kansas City Chiefs, had spoke out and uh, uh, admitted that the Chiefs have not done well with the parking situation, the way it's uh, been handled. Uh, there's, there's all, and again, I've not been to Arrowhead uh, this year, so I don't know exactly what the issue was in Week One or what the Chiefs tried to do to improve this. Uh, without coming off like a broken record uh, for those who've been listening to the podcast consistently I'll just briefly recap what I've been saying the Chiefs had sellouts for years during the Marty Trottenheimer era and while Dick Vermeil and Herm Edwards were also head coaches for a little bit and I, I, I just don't know where this parking issue came from I mean the Chiefs for a long time uh, like I said, had sellouts, nearly 80,000 every single game, and this was never an issue. Fans got in and got out fairly quickly, and it's gotten to the point where 
you know, if you're not a tailgater, if you show up at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, you're going to be in your car for uh, at least an hour and a half, maybe even two hours, and that's not right, uh, especially with the uh, price of parking going up. I know the Chiefs are uh, right in the middle, I, I believe, when it comes to the price of parking, uh, how much they charge fans. Uh, I mean, some teams, I, I, I believe the Rams... We're charging $80 during the preseason. I don't know if that changed during the regular season uh, or for the regular season, rather. But, I mean, it's it's still a lot. Uh, 40 bucks to go and park your car only to circle around the complex for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, however long it, it takes. And just the system. I know there's some sort of... Drama with Gate 5, I, I don't know what what's the issue, I don't know why that's that's where... The, the, the Chiefs are basically blaming a lot of their issues with Gate 5. For those not familiar with Gate 5, uh, or I know there are so many gate. I don't even keep in mind, I actually have to look this up to see which one is Gate 5. And that's actually the gate that I go to anytime I go to a uh, game at Coffin Stadium or at Arrowhead. Uh, that is uh, the same side where the Chiefs' practice facilities are at. So if you're coming in from Lee Summit, uh, I'd say a majority of Lee Summit uh, people who live there, uh, I mean, that's the route they go on 435 and eventually use Gate 5 to come in. If if you're from uh, uh, the southern side uh, on the Kansas side of Kansas City, uh, you, you'll of course use 69 Highway or, or 35, and then eventually go to 435, and then you'll make your way to Gate 5. So a lot of people go through that gate to enter the Truman Sports Complex, and of course with Arrowhead say I mean you have more seats to fill at a football stadium than you do at a baseball stadium, so there are more people coming in. So that part of the complex can get pretty packed quickly. But like I said, this is this is something the Chiefs have gone through over the years and never really had an issue with. So the Chiefs are saying that they screwed up and they plan on improving upon this as early as this weekend. So we'll find out. I, I'm, I'm going to keep a close eye on this because, look, uh, to me it's not worth going to a game, paying uh, all that money for parking, you know, price of tickets, only to show up for what two hours before the game, uh, sitting in my car, just going what one to two miles per hour, maybe even less than that, just going around the complex. So, and then following the game, uh, I mean, I know the first uh, week one, the first game, it was a little different because a lot of fans left early thinking the game was over, but. If this is a close game and everyone leaves at the same time, uh, I mean, how is this going to go? Because I, and look, like I said, I've been there. It's uh, it, it's it's not pretty. Uh, like I said, two hours before the game, you're just circling the the stadium in your car, and then after the uh, after the game, you're in your car for probably an hour or two, depending where you're you're parked. Uh, and that doesn't even include the game. The game it could be what three? Let, let's say three hours. On average, most NFL games are about three hours, so you are spending seven hours of your day at Arrowhead, and more than half the time you're probably in your car because of the uh, parking gaffes 
that the Chiefs have. And that's not right. You, you, you shouldn't be in your car for that long just to get in and to get out. And again, like I said, if you're one of those early tailgaters, you obviously don't deal with this issue, but uh, there are a lot of people like me who aren't big on tailgating, and that's okay, and I, I, those people I need to be taken into consideration. I mean, everyone wants to get in on time. I think one of the nicest things about Arrowhead is the pregame ceremonies where they have the pyro and, and the players being introduced one by one. Ever since Andy Reid got here, I feel like that's been the best pregame uh, player introduction the Chiefs have had. Uh, I, I know Todd Haley was big on entering as a team. I, I think during the Dick Vermeil and Herm Edwards era, uh, the, the the players entered as position groups, uh, which is kind of weird. The PA announcer would announce, uh, would just say, "Oh, here are the cornerbacks," and the cornerbacks all walk out together. Uh, the running backs, the offensive line. It, it was just kind of hard to get excited for that. Now you actually have uh, individual players being announced, and they have the flames, the fireworks going off for each individual player, which is cool, and I think Chiefs fans should be able to see that stuff because, uh, in my opinion, I, I think uh, some of the best things about sporting events, especially you know if you're a basketball fan at Allen Fieldhouse or a, a, a football, a K-State football fan, those pregame ceremonies are a lot, a lot of fun to see. Uh, they they really are, and unfortunately, those are not always broadcast on television. So you have to be there early in person to see it. And you know what? You don't want fans to miss out on those kinds of things. So hopefully, the Chiefs have that figured out because uh, you do have one of the best fan bases in the NFL. You really do, and I think this fan base deserves better. Now, even if Chiefs fans weren't, you know. Guinness World holders for Lauda Stadium and whatnot, your fans are still paying a lot of money uh, for your product, and something needs to be done to satisfy your fans, uh, even if they're not the loudest. So uh, it's good that the Chiefs are admitting to this finally, uh, being more public about this, and trying to figure out ways to to work around it. Uh, like I, I, Mark Donovan was talking about it in the preseason br- pr- broadcast about how uh, you know, if uh, fans buy their parking tickets early, they it'll first of all it's cheaper and traffic flow is is better. That that's not the case. Uh, like I said, in the nineties and in the two thousands, the Chiefs had sellouts, and this was never an issue. They they never had to put yellow stripes in the middle of the parking spots to limit tailgaters as to how far they can go to try to help parking flow quick quicker uh, it's it's just i i think the chiefs have made too many excuses and have realized that look their plans and their ideas are not working and something's got to be done because it's happened before with these sellouts for what 15 20 years all right let's get into it the game between the chiefs and the Jets, hopefully fans are in their seats in time uh, by the time this this gets underway. And like I said, the pregame ceremonies would be fun to see. Uh, let's quickly go over the injury report for the New York Jets. Uh, really, the only two notable guys are the receivers, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. Eric Decker has a sore shoulder but is expected to play in this game. He's the top receiver for the New York Jets, so he's definitely going to be needed in this game. Brandon Marshall has a knee and a foot injury. He's listed as questionable. NJ.com says he is a game-time decision. But 
the guy who the Jets really need, and it's funny because he had some offseason drama, and that's the quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick hasn't ever been known to be the top, one of the top dominant quarterbacks. He's always had these flashes for a very short period of time, and then he just kind of disappears, and you you don't know which Ryan Fitzpatrick you're going to get uh, on game day. But uh, Adam Teicher, uh, who uh, is with ESPN.com, was with the Kansas City Star for a long time. Uh, he, he had a really interesting article uh, he posted online and talked about the history that Fitzpatrick has with the Chiefs. He's faced the Chiefs plenty of times. He's 2-1 and one all-time at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. His best game was in 2011, the season opener, when the Bills crushed the Chiefs 41-7. Chan Gailey was actually the head coach at the time. And Chan Gailey, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Jets, uh, Chan Gailey and Ryan Fitzpatrick have been around uh, each other for quite some time, since 2010, I believe. And, and, and this is, of course, Chan Gailey after he was let go uh, very quickly uh, into the Todd Haley era. Uh, that barely got a chance to coach this football team. I mean, he got fired during the preseason. Uh, the, the first preseason Todd Haley was here. So uh, Chang Gailey now uh, actually getting an opportunity wherever he goes, whether it's with the, Jet, uh, the Jets. He was the head coach of the Bills and uh, has been uh, taking uh, took charge for a little bit there. But uh, Chang Gailey, I, I th- it's disappointing that he did not get an opportunity here, a fair opportunity, because... Uh, he's he's had some solid offenses, not nothing great, but I think uh, with the limited talent he's had in Buffalo and in New York, uh, Changeli's done a good job. I think uh, it, it's hard to it, it's hard to succeed when you don't have the right tools to work with, the right players to work with, and I think that can be a challenge for any head coach. I mean, sure, you can be the one of the greatest head coaches in the world. Look at Charlie Weiss, one of the best offensive minds. In football, but he did not have the talent at the University of Kansas when he was the head coach of the Jayhawks. Just didn't couldn't recruit. Uh, that was a big flaw uh, for Charlie Wise. And, uh, I mean, that, that's something. It's a KU thing, also. Let's not forget about that. But uh, you, you've got to have the talent. Uh, coaching's uh, part of it, but uh, the players have to be able to uh, step up and um, make some make some things happen too. For Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's a guy who I think uh, he can make things happen, but but again, it's just uh, he he's one of those guys. I guess the best comparison that I could make, uh, not necessarily with the Chiefs' current roster, but uh, a player who uh, recently played here is Dwayne Bow. Uh, you never knew which Dwayne Bow you were going to get. Uh, it was either the Dwayne Bow who would catch for a hundred yards, maybe for a touchdown or two. Then there were days where Dwayne Bell would drop a couple of passes, even one in the end zone or, or in the red zone in those crucial situations, and you just were unsure which Dwayne Bell would step up. And I think Jets fans and Bills fans kind of felt this way as well. Which Ryan Fitzpatrick are you getting on game day? Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a phenomenal game last Thursday against the Bills, going 24 of 34 for 374 yards and just a touchdown. No turnovers. It was Matt Forte, the former Bears running back, who punched it into the end zone for the most part to help New York get on the board. And uh, look, I, I still think Forte has it in him. He's 30 years old, but still one of the better running backs in the NFL. In fact, he and Spencer Ware 
are uh, two uh, among the top five in the NFL when it comes to yards from scrimmage, which I'll get to later on. But uh, this Jets offense, man, uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Eric Decker, I know on paper doesn't sound like the most exciting uh, offensive threat right there, offensive passing threat, but... Uh, if you if you follow the Jets, especially in that Thursday night game, which was a national broadcast game, so you had an opportunity to see them there. This is a Jets team that can do a lot of damage, and I think that's where I, I get a little concerned with Marcus Peters. Yes, he did have a pair of interceptions and made up for the times where he got torched last week against the Texans, but who's to say it won't happen again? If uh, if Eric Decker, who by the way, had a phenomenal game a couple of years ago against Marcus Cooper uh, in 2013. Torched him in the second half of that game. Which is funny, by the way, because Cooper just recently won NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors with the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I was reading the comments in that section. A lot of uh, a lot of 49ers fan, or uh, Cardinals fans spoke out about how he was a, uh, a draft pick for the 49ers. Uh, a, a rival, of course of Arizona's, but what can you do? Uh, It it happens, but Eric Decker, I I think he can definitely uh, provide some mismatches here uh, going up against Marcus Peters, so that's a matchup I'm definitely going to keep an eye on Eric Decker against Marcus Peters and how Ryan Fitzpatrick tries to take advantage of some of Peters' weaknesses. Going to the other side of the football with the Jets, the defense, seven sacks in that narrow loss against the Bengals in week one. However, had logged zero last week against the Bills. No sacks for the Jets. All seven sacks this year came in week one. Uh, their defensive line, a very stout defensive line. Leonard Williams, he has two and a half sacks. The nose tackle, McClendon, has a pair of sacks. So this is a defensive line that the Jets could definitely, uh, you look at them and then you look at Kansas City's offensive line, which hasn't been great so far this year. And you think to yourself that this is a defensive line that could cause problems and perhaps disrupt Kansas City's game plan uh, offensively. Now the Jets aren't, Big when and by the way, I, I should note the Chiefs have faced three or will face three very good defensive lines. I feel like San Diego's defensive line doesn't get the credit that it deserves, especially with the new addition that they got in the offseason. Houston, look, I, I don't need to get detailed into it. Everyone knows about J.J. Watt and the supporting cast that he has behind him with Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Marcellus. Uh, I mean, you have those guys with the, with the front seven for Houston. And then uh, the Jets... Again, I, the Jets have been known very well for uh, having a good defense. And guys like Williams, McClendon, uh, those are guys who are going to be hard to stop, uh, especially when they try to break through the, that offensive line and try to get to Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith is going to have a pretty tough time, and it's it's, it's going to be one of those games where Alex Smith, like, like I said last week, uh, going into that Texans game, either you've got to have the quick pass ready or be ready to run a lot because – I don't know if this offensive line, uh, just from just from my expectations, I thought this offensive line was going to be better. So far, uh, it's proved me wrong. Uh, so uh, we've just got to go with what we've seen so far through two games. 
but I think this offensive line is gonna is is gonna have a hard time, and Alex Smith is gonna need to come up with some plays with his feet to avoid pressure and help the Chiefs move forward rather than go backwards. We saw that in the first half against the San Diego Chargers, where Smith just fell apart against that pressure provided by San Diego. So he's got to make sure he he's ready to go. When he needs to, because I, I I think that offensive line is going to break down and uh, allow those defensive linemen to slip through and uh, chase him around in the pocket. Now, obviously, everyone knows about Darrell Rivas. He's one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL, uh, but QBs have shied away from him, and rightfully so, for obvious reasons. Uh, Richard Sherman, same thing happened to him going into the 2014 season, if I'm not, or 2015 season. Uh, I, I mean, teams tried to avoid throwing the ball in his direction, and understandably so. Uh, but a lot of people weren't really ready for this. Marcus Williams for the Jets has a pick in each game this year for the Jets. He and Marcus Peters, along with a couple others, tied for first place with a pair of interceptions so far this year in the early goings of this NFL season. Now listen, the Jets are a top five run-stopping defense. Now many of you, again, might say it's just a couple of games. No need to be that concerned, but the Jets finished second against the run last year. So whatever they did last year and in years past, uh, they've carried that over to 2016. And this is a Jets defense where... Yeah, you might be excited to have Spencer Ware and Chuck Hendrick. It may be Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and Brad Childress, the offensive coaching staff. Maybe they look at this defense and say, hey, look, even though they're one of the best in limiting running backs, we're still going to punch it down their throats and uh, you have some guts. So uh, I'm not exactly sure what Kansas City is going to do, but I'll tell you my keys for this game. Offensively, get creative. Like, like I just said, the Jets are great at stopping the run. But it's easy to throw off some of the best teams in the NFL. It really is. And offensive coordinators have to be creative with their game plan and find ways to to do it. Like, I kind of said this last week, but I'll say it again. You know, misdirections, play actions, of course. Uh, e- even a, a play like the Flea Flicker at some point in, in this game. I think you've got to use that to throw off New York's defense and make them think uh, one thing when another is going to happen. I think that will be the key for Kansas City's offense. And if they do that, guess what? Those field goals translate into touchdowns instead. Keep in mind the Chiefs had 12 points last week against the Texans, all of which were field goals from Cairo Santos. So the Chiefs obviously, and of course it's great for Cairo Santos, shows how great he is, but... Uh, at the same time, if uh, he's only out there for extra point attempts and kickoffs, that's a good thing, uh, assuming you're scoring a lot of touchdowns. So uh, go out there and uh, punch it into the end zone. Don't uh, don't settle for just three points. This is a Chiefs team that needs to find a way to come up with seven on drives rather than just three. And I think Spencer Ware is going to be a big part of that. I, I mentioned earlier that Spencer Ware and Matt Forte are among some of the best uh, in the NFL so far this year when it comes to yards from scrimmage. Spencer Ware, the Chiefs put this graphic out on social media, 304 yards off 30 touches. Look who's right behind him, D'Angelo Williams, 303 yards. Just one yard behind Spencer Ware, 
68 touches though. 38 more touches than Spencer Ware. Now Stephon Diggs, fewer yards, 284 yards, but also much fewer touches, 17. David Johnson has 275 yards off 35 touches, more uh, more touches than Spencer Ware and less yards. Matt Forte, uh, a lot of touches, 59 more, 59 total touches, I should say, 19 more. Uh, has 264 yards, so still a lot by Matt Forte, but man, to see Spencer Ware just be uh, on top in this category, that's huge. And the Chiefs are going to use Spencer Ware, of course, not only on the ground, but through the air like they have, especially against the Chargers, the way they used him. They're definitely going to want to do that again against the New York Jets, a defense, like I said, great against the run, but not very good against the pass. So I think that's where the Chiefs could do some damage, especially with uh, speedsters like Spencer Ware, your, your tight end, Travis Kelsey, and of course some of the speedsters you have at wide receiver like Jeremy Macklin, uh, Albert Wilson, Chris Conley, Tyreek Hill, let's not forget about him. He scored, of course, the first touchdown of the season for the Chiefs, and that's where the Chiefs can definitely excel and do some damage against this weak Jets pass defense. Now, keys for the Chiefs defensively, and I think this is going to be an important part for the Chiefs. You look at Kansas City's defense and what they've done this year. Dontari Poe, I think, has done a much better job ever since halftime of the Chargers game has really stepped up. Alan Bailey, Jay Howard, uh, I mean, very good defensive linemen, guys who you need to step up. Tom Bahali, of course, here's my thing with Tom Bahali. Just when you think that... He's not going to be able to deliver like he did in the past. He just keeps going. And I think that says a lot about Tom Bahali and how tough he is uh, and how much uh, the the sport really means to him, the the passion he has for the game. So you know what you're going to get from your your, your front guys, even without Justin Houston. This is still a defense that knows how to apply pressure. And if D. Ford can... Provide some flashes while Tom Bahali continues to be consistent. That's going to cause problems for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who, by the way, Fitzpatrick has a fumble in each of the two games so far this season. No turnovers yet on the ground. He's he's thrown an interception this year, but no fumbles that have translated into turnovers. But, hey, look, uh, you get a hard hit and a lucky bounce. It could go your way. It could go your opponent's way so the Chiefs have got to bring the heat and they know that they can make him lose the football and next thing you know it's a live ball and all 22 players are going to be chasing for it so the Chiefs need to find a way to get to Ryan Fitzpatrick try to pop that football loose and end those drives at the very least try to get a sack on him keep that pressure on him keep that going because that's going to help the Chiefs win this football game. As for my prediction, I predicted a low-scoring game last week for the Chiefs over the Texans, and of course, wrong about the final outcome. Low-scoring result, okay, somewhat. I think this is, I, I'm going to predict another low-scoring bout here. I think the Chiefs will come out on top. I think it's going to be... 16 to 10, Kansas City. I, I don't think we're going to get a lot of 
high scoring high scores here. I think both offenses are going to be fairly quiet. I think Kansas City's offense is going to be very similar to Houston's last week where they get a touchdown and then have to follow up with three or four field goals to try to stay ahead, take the points any way you can. Uh, and I, I think at the end of the day, the Jets are going to have a bit of a hard time with the raucous crowd at Arrowhead. Uh, I, I think even though, despite a tough loss last week, Chiefs fans are still in it and hoping that this uh, this football team can uh, come through, especially with baseball season coming to an end and the Royals with a disappointing uh, season this year. I think uh, sports fans in Kansas City have turned their attention over to the other side of the Truman Sports Complex. That's over at Arrowhead Stadium. And the Chiefs, I, I think, have got to be able to come through in this one. And I think they will. I think they'll come out with a narrow victory here. I, I, I've got to be honest. I went back and forth, too. And my key was that Jets defense. And even though Kansas City's offensive line won't be able to hold, uh, and I'm not saying penalty-wise, of course, but the X factor to me in picking the Chiefs to win was Alex Smith. We've seen Alex Smith showcase that arm before. But more consistently, he's shown what he can do with his feet. So... To me, even though this Jets defense is going to bring the heat, I think Alex Smith will be able to make some moves with his feet to try and avoid getting sacked three or four times. Hopefully he can do that in this game because that's what Kansas City needs in order to stay competitive and uh, score first and, and stay ahead the rest of the ball game. So 16-10, Kansas City, my prediction for this Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. Thank you guys for listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Be sure you subscribe on iTunes, like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or search for Farzine Vesugian on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Love all the interaction with you guys throughout the week. Let's keep this going. Let's keep it going during the game as well, and let's talk about it afterwards on social media. Also, add me on Snapchat. Send me a snap. Let me know you're listening to the podcast, you're, you're watching the game, whatever it is. I will send you guys a personal video response on Snapchat. It's Farzine V, F-A-R-Z-I-N-V. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you guys again for taking the time to listen to my podcast. The best Chiefs podcast out there. Be sure you let a friend know about the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzine Vesugin. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Chiefs game on Sunday. I'll talk to you guys after the game. Take care.